0: origin stories
1: origin stories all right guys we're going to jump in today Uh, matt's going to come in and so we're going to see where we get to but you can open up your manual to chapter four the authority of the belief we're going to talk about today about authority in the life of the leader we'll ebb and flow from the manual we won't read it word for word there's little parts you can go back and really dig into it um, on your own time it's an incredible study But we're going to talk about authority, and then we're going to talk today also about um, strongholds. Everybody say strongholds. (laughs) And so we're going to talk about all these in the framework of leadership and development of people. And so how do you use these skill sets, uh, especially when it comes to strongholds and freedom, to move people on in their journey with Jesus? So how how do you identify strongholds? How do you help break them free and build out a development plan for someone to say, okay, this is an area of my life. How do I get from A to Z and just not remain stuck where I'm 4 something every day for the rest of my life? Like, I got 4R it again, right? We want to move forward in our walk with Jesus and get freedom, but we can't really dive into strongholds until we have a real uh, biblical understanding of authority. Yeah. So, can we do it this morning a little bit? Yeah. So, a little personal story probably two and a half years ago. So, just for those of you who don't know, my wife and I, we've been here at Circuit Riders since. Uh, my wife did the first circuit ride school in Kona. Both did fine fragrance. We got married in 2016. We help oversee all of our training, our schools, and we're on core leadership team circuit ride. So there you go. A little bit about me. Got three kids. They're amazing, and um, they may pop in at some point. So, anyways, two and a half, three years ago, we moved into a new house. Anybody ever moved? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Who hates moving? Anybody love moving? Love packing? No. A couple people. We'll call you next time. So. We move into a new house, right? Year goes by, year and a half goes by. And you guys know when you move, you have those boxes of random stuff that kind of sits in your closet. Okay, so it was about a year and a half ago and maybe a year ago. I'm like, I'm gonna clean out this box that's been in my closet for the last two years. So I pull out the box, going through it, and all of a sudden I find a gift card. Let's go. Starbucks. Starbucks gift card. Put it on the put it on the dresser. Keep digging through. Guess what? Costco gift card. <laughs> Upgrade right there. Keep digging through. I find like another Costco gift card, another Starbucks gift card, a movie gift card. Yeah. yeah. I find like five gift cards. So I set them all over on the nightstand. I'm cleaning out the rest of it. And then, you know, I do the, the, the deal. I scratch off the long, like 50-digit number on the back. You guys know what I'm talking about? You yeah. call it in. And then you're just waiting to hear the balance, you know, like the moment of truth. Is there anything on the card? And um, there was money on every single card. One of the Costco cards, I think, had a hundred bucks. And I remember having this moment. I'm sitting there and we're all missionaries, right? So, you know, some months are better than others financially. You know, sometimes you get those one-time gifts on your donation statement and you're like, wasn't expecting that.
2: Can I get a witness?
1: Know those moments.
2: So I
1: was like, man, I really could have used these gift cards last month. Like there was no one-time bonuses on on the deal. And I remember in that moment, the Lord spoke to me. He said, "Yeah, you could have used them, but you didn't know they were there. You, they were in your possession. You just lacked revelation." And so, what happens in life? in our Christian life is that when we lack revelation of what we have access to, we will always live at an inferior plane at a lower level of what the Lord actually has purchased for us. And so it's imperative. Say imperative. It's imperative for you and I to get revelation. Everybody say revelation. When we don't have revelation, we will always live Lower than what Jesus purchased for you and I to live in. So as leaders, there comes a moment when you realize that there's not always going to be someone who comes and knocks on your door and just lays it all out for you. And just like, here's the Bible study for you. Here's this word for you today. There's moments that happen where you where you mature in your walk and the Lord puts a responsibility on you. He says, You've got to learn to develop yourself, you've got to learn to dig into the scriptures. You've got to figure out how to mine out revelation. There comes a moment when the podcasts don't satisfy, right? There comes a moment when the podcast isn't there to help you lay hands on somebody and to see them break free. You've got to have stored up within you revelation that you can lean on and say, oh, I know exactly what to do. I have the revelation from scripture, from the truth residing in me. I've spent the time. I dug deep in private so that my public life actually has something. Of substance so we're going to dig in today about authority because here's the deal we're going to lay out in here as we'll see we're going to lay out a biblical framework that authority is positional everybody say positional so it's positional in the sense that in christ in your position in him you have been given authority positionally. So you need to understand that you need to understand that it's not something that you earn. It's not something that you work your way into. You don't perform for it. You don't change your personality, right? Authority is not a personality type. Authority isn't just a loud voice. It's different. And so it's not something that you work your way into. So positionally we have authority. However, at the same time, it's something that has to be developed. You can know it all day long and quote the verses. I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places. I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places. I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places. But that doesn't mean all day long you're seeing from that perspective. Just because it's true doesn't mean you've actually entered in and let that thing become who you are. Does that make sense? And so we're going to talk about how it's positionally there, but then we have to be developed in our ability to move in authority so it's like i know i have the authority to cast out demons but it's a different story when the broken oppressed individual is standing before me what do i do and so that's where it has to be developed and um i love what this there's a book you could get you should read this book it's incredible it's called spiritual authorities by an author named rob reamer anybody ever read the book Spiritual authority. It's an amazing book. It's his his kind of journey. But he says this he says, to proclaim a kingdom devoid of the power of the king is a perversion of the message. To proclaim a kingdom devoid of the power of the king is a perversion of the message. So the gospel is a gospel of authority. It's a gospel of authority. And so, as leaders, right, we're all leaders in the room. You got to take your mindset off of that. You're not just a DTS staff. Say I'm not just a DTS staff. A a staff. Say I'm a leader. So you got to get out of that mindset because there's a connotation around. I'm just a DTS staff. I mean, my school leaders will do this, or so and so, the base leaders will do this. No, 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 you're a leader. You've been given the authority of Christ. You're called to move in it. So we got to take off anything that limits us from from functioning in what the Lord has purchased for us. So as leaders and as we mature in our walk with Jesus. There comes moments in our life when we have to embrace what the Lord is wanting to do in us. There's a story uh, in uh, Mark chapter, I'm um, maybe Mark chapter five, Mark chapter six, um, and it's a story of the story of Jairus when he comes to Jesus. He has another story. His daughter's dying, and he's begging Jesus to come, right, heal my daughter. He gets to Jesus, teacher, come, my daughter's dying, come heal her. She's sick. So Jesus, right, he's on his journey with Jairus, going to heal his daughter. They're walking through town. They're on the way. Imagine Jairus. He's feeling stoked. He was, you know, hopeless. Now he found Jesus, the rabbi, the teacher, the healer. Got him with him. My breakthrough's with me. My daughter's going to get healed. We're on the way. And all of a sudden, from the crowd emerges a woman who's had an issue uh, issue of blood for 12 years she reaches out and touches Jesus and stops him in his track. All of a sudden, Jairus is moving forward and Jesus has stopped and turned around. So then all of a sudden, all of Jesus' attention is no longer on Jairus. It's on this on this lady. You can imagine what's going through Jairus' mind, right? That wasn't my breakthrough.
2: Wow, was...
1: How many of you, you've been pursuing, you've been seeking God and all of a sudden your friend gets elevated and you know they you know they're, ups and their downs and then the lord begins to test your heart for your friend's elevation Like i've been seeking god for this yeah. i've been preparing i've been praying they get the mic they get to the preach i know their stuff think about what's going on in jairus's mind right it's real. he's a human his breakthrough all of a sudden someone stole it so then we know the story jesus heals the one with the issue of blood And as he goes back to Jairus, one of Jairus' servants, someone from the house, comes back and says, Hey, 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 don't bother the teacher anymore. Your daughter's dead. Man, Mm -hmm. talk about disappointment, talk about pain, talk about frustration, talk about questioning. And then Jesus just says, "Do, Do not fear. Let's go. goes to the house, goes in, raises the daughter from the dead. She's alive. Jairus gets his breakthrough. What's the point of the story? The point of the story is that Jairus knew Jesus as healer and teacher and rabbi, but his previous revelation of Jesus in his past season was not enough to carry him forward in his next season. Jesus said, you know me as teacher and healer rabbi. I want you to know me as resurrection (laughs) as leaders. When we grow and mature, the, the Lord will take us through seasons. He says, okay, you've known me in this capacity. But how you knew me here isn't enough for where I'm trying to take you as a leader. You've got to <laughs> press in. you got to dig for oil. you got to dig for revelation. you got to get that thing in you because the Lord is saying there's a greater requirement on you as a leader. When you're shepherding people, when you're leading people, when, I mean, just look at society. Look at the people that are coming into our DTSs, coming into our schools, the need for transformation, the need for power, the need for authority. And we have this, this invitation before us that if you look at, I love this contrast in Acts chapter 19. You don't have to turn there. I'll read it for you. It's an incredible, incredible contrast here. Acts chapter 19, find it. Here we go. Check out this contrast. Acts chapter 19, verse 11. God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. So that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick. Their diseases left them. Evil spirits came out of them. Talk about authority that whatever touches your frame can be sent in the mail across the country and someone gets healed. It's a story of John G. Lake where he's, he's, he's uh, this guy had been trying to get John G. Lake to pray for him. And John G. Lake was in South Africa. This man had been following around. John G. Lake is sitting in a, in a, in a living room in a house. And the man finally catches up to him. Those friends of the family, he gets, comes to the house. He had cancers on his face. I think he had brain tumors, all this stuff happening. John G. Lake sitting on the couch, and there's a six-year-old girl sitting next to John G. Lake. She crawls or stands up, goes across the floor, crawls up on the guy's lap, prays for him, and he's completely healed. The tumors are gone. He exclaims, the sharp pain in my brain has left. What kind of authority did he carry that the girl next to him Hmm. came under that authority? Come on she rubbed shoulders with someone who carried such authority that she could move across the room lay hands on a man with brain tumors and he's healed. Come on that's extraordinary miracles. Yes. Extraordinary miracles is the is the the inheritance of the believer. Yes. It's the inheritance of those in Christ. Now check this out let's keep reading. So um verse 13, it says, some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you by Jesus, whom Paul proclaims. Seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Sceva were doing this, but the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, Paul I recognize, who are you? And the man in whom was the evil spirit leaped on them, mastered all of them, overpowered them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded what a contrast extraordinary miracles are being done by paul and then you got this other group in the name of jesus who paul proclaims Mm -hmm. you can't live off someone else's authority Mm -hmm. you cannot do it you can't live off sam's authority you can't live off andy's authority you got to live off jesus christ's authority in you And you got to dig in for that and have a revelation of that and develop that in your life so that your testimony is not verse 13, but it's verse 11. Say not 13. Uh, We don't want 13. We want 11. We want extraordinary miracles being done through our lives. So here's the deal. Authority, you can see this on page 45 there. Point number one, authority is the right to rule authority is the right to rule power is the ability to rule authority is the right to rule power is the ability to rule like i said already authority is positional and it's delegated everybody say delegated Delegated. so the value of your authority and my authority it rests on the power or authority that's behind it which is jesus He is the ultimate authority. So Genesis 1.26 says this. God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. In the beginning, the Lord gave Adam what? Authority. Everybody say authority. In the beginning, in the garden, the Lord gives Adam authority. What did he give him authority to do? Take dominion. What does that mean? To rule and to reign. So if you think about the garden as this sacred space, track with me. Track with me on this. If the garden is this sacred space of presence in the midst of a chaotic world, what he's saying to Adam? He's saying, "Listen, I want you to extend the borders of Eden and flood the earth with my glory." So this atmosphere that you live in here, my presence, Eden, I want you to see the borders of this place extend throughout the earth, be fruitful and multiply my image everywhere. Extend my presence. Let the knowledge of my glory fill the earth as the waters cover the sea. That was his job to extend the rule of God and multiply his image throughout the earth. So, in Genesis 2.15, let's read this first. Somebody want to uh, go to Genesis 2.15 and read that out loud for us?
2: <laughs> the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to take care
1: of it. Okay. Everybody say, work it. Work it. Take care of it. Take care of it. Other translation would say, work it and keep it. In the In, in the original language, work and keep. Also could be translated serve and guard, serve and guard. So the Lord put Adam in the garden and said, I want you to serve this space and guard this space. So we know the the storyline of Genesis when Adam and Eve do their, you know, they have a picnic with Satan and it's just a horrible idea. Don't do it. Um, but there's, you know, there's 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 theories and ideas of, well, how did you know, why was why was the why was the snake in the garden? Why was he there? You know, if everything was good, well, how was the evil present? All these different theories. But if you think about it, if you think that Adam's job was to serve and guard, wow. then there must have been a moment when he neglected his role of serving and guarding and the deceiver came in. So think through a leadership framework, how are you serving and guarding number one, your own life, number two, your community, number three, your schools. And what happens when you neglect your role of leading of serving and guarding what comes in? So it's the responsibility of the leader to serve and guard, to work and keep. Because when, when the Lord had to remove Adam and Eve from the garden, what did the Lord do? Place a cherubim with flaming swords, what? To guard. Had to replace Adam in his role there. So we see that that is the, you know, there's a principle in there of you have to have a moment in your own personal life that am I serving and guarding this temple? Because authority is directly uh, related to you serving and guarding you, yourself, your mind. What are you listening to? What are you watching? How are you communicating? What are you thinking about? Like, I think we underestimate the power of a thought. And we let our minds wonder. And we think about why am I so crippled with anxiety? Well, you let your mind wow. dictate how you feel. Yeah. So you're thinking on all these things when the Lord saying, yeah. servant guard, don't neglect your role. Why? Because deception comes in. We're going to deal with deception when we talk about strongholds. <clears throat> so Romans 5.12, what happens? Adam, Adam neglects his role. Chalking the storyline here, Romans five twelve. just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sin. So the fall in the garden, Adam and Eve had a universal, say universal,
2: universal,
1: universal effect, right? We all in agreement there? The image of God is distorted in man, death begins to reign, and authority on the earth is handed over. It's handed over to Satan, and man was expelled from the garden. So that's that's the initial storyline. That's where the authority is given to man, and then it's handed over through the neglection of the role, okay. believing of the lie, right? Come on, the fall didn't happen just when they ate of the fruit. The fall happened when they believed the lie. God's not really good. All of a sudden, they empowered the lie. God's not very good. They gave their authority over the enemy will always come to attack two areas of your life, your relationship with the father and your identity yeah. every single time. That's that's what he's after. He wants to, he wants to destroy your authority by attacking those two things in your life. So here's the deal. Everybody say good news. Give yeah. us some Bible verses here. You got to have the verses. You guys know what happens. We go through these manuals. We go through books. Who does this? And you're reading the commentary. You skip the verses. You know you do it. I know you do it because I do it. We'll read the book. And then there's like that chunk, the italicized, the long chunk in the middle of the page. We're like, oh, I know that verse. Skip over it. Keep reading. Can I have somebody else, anybody guilty in the room but me? But the power's in the verses. There goes my voice. Oh, here we go. Romans 5, 15, 17. The free gift. Death reigned through that one man. Much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. I want to ask you a question. If someone approached you on the street and said, what does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to follow Jesus? Would your answer be, oh, it means that I'm reigning in life. Would that be the witness that comes out of you? Oh, that through him, I reign in life. That circumstances no longer dictate my emotions. That the way people speak to me or about me no longer determine if I have a good or a bad day. Reigning in life
2: is the inheritance
1: of the believer. The beautiful thing about Jesus, can I tell you what it is? Because he's so good. Is that there is no equal or rival to him. So you need to understand that Satan is not the equal part of God. Like God is good over here, and Satan is equal is equally bad over here. Are you tracking? Seems so elementary, but so many people would, would see that, that there's this cosmic battle of good versus evil, you know, of you know, God up here, Satan over here, and they're on this level. Plant building is just not true. That's not scripture. Satan is a created being. Satan is a created being. He's not equal with God. Jesus is not one among many. you got to get overwhelmed with the revelation of the majesty and the greatness and the glory of the Lamb who was slain. Your authority is directly related. The outflow of your life To your revelation of who it is seated on that throne. It is. It dictates your day. It dictates your mood. It dictates your relationships. He's not one among many. He's the only begotten incarnate one. The son of the father, the lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. Colossians 2, 14 and 15 says this. He canceled the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. He set it aside nailed it to the cross disarmed man he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them what can verse? somebody pull up Ephesians 1 15 through 23 and read it out loud for us Wait, sir, what Ephesians 1 15 through 23 what verse did you just read I just read Colossians 2 14 through 15 Somebody stand up and read it, roll out. Ephesians 1,
3: 15 through 23. Um, <laughs>
2: right.
1: let's go.
3: Yes. Um, wherever I also, after I heard of the creation of Jesus, in love unto all the saints, he is not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the fear of wisdom and revelation and knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of calling, and what is the riches of the glory of his virtues and saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us we really, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right. <laughs> For above all principality and power and might, the dominion in every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come, and have put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all the church, which is the body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. Amen. That's good. Yeah, that's good.
2: <laughs>
1: you might just say that's good. <laughs> that's some. That's some gospel glory in those verses verse 22 he put all things under his feet
3: mm-hmm. yeah.
1: but check this out and gave him as head over all things who is that mm-hmm. jesus gave him to the church mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm going to read it again. Listen, he put all things under his feet and gave him, Jesus, the head over all things, gave him to the church. He's the source of your authority. He's the source of your life. It's in him you live, move, have your being. He is all and fills all. you got to get consumed with a vision of Jesus. You will not move an authority apart from Him, wow. yeah. because there is no authority apart from yeah. Him. Yeah. He is the ultimate authority. That's why Paul prayed. That's why he said, "I pray for a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of yeah. Him."
2: Yeah.
1: It's not just, "Lord, give me revelation, give me cool insight into Scripture." They'll help me exegete a verse and wax eloquent for a minute so people get impressed by my good, you know, my good wording. No. Spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. You want to be a missionary. You got to be consumed with the ultimate missionary. There's no rival to him. He's the one. John declared, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He's baptized in the Jordan, right? The heavens split open. The father thunders from heaven. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. When that happened, what the dove descended, and guess what? It remained on Jesus. If you want to move in authority where the Holy Spirit finds you a resting place for him, then you got to understand that the scriptures and truth do not bend to your preference. We bend. We bend. If we want to move in authority, we got to live under authority. Come on! If we want to live under live in authority, then we got to live under authority. Oh, yeah. This thing right here has got to dictate everything: our thinking, our actions, our speech, our conduct, the way we have relationships, the way we pray. Can't have authority apart from being under authority. The same spirit that descended on Jesus—guess what? And it drives him to the wilderness. He's tempted for 40 days, where the enemy, we already said this, challenged the very word that was just spoken from heaven over his life. Why is it so important that you are settled in your original identity? Because the enemy will attack the very thing that the Lord said. You got to be so convinced, you got to be so convinced of who you are in Him. Because if your validation comes this way, you're doomed. But Jesus went vertical. Horizontal opinion did not dictate inner life. Inner life was determined by what was vertically spoken over him. His vertical relationship with the Lord determined how he handled this. We often let this determine this. I give you the right to destroy my day. Wow. I give you the ability to dictate my emotions.
2: Okay.
1: Jesus lived under the, the the voice and the guidance and the authority of his father. That's why he said I don't do anything wow. unless I see my father do it what does bill say he's bill johnson right you and i cannot afford to have any thoughts about ourselves that he doesn't have about us yeah. we can't afford to what happens is when we believe the lie we hand over authority Yep. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: you tracking yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: so the dove sends him directs him to the wilderness his identity right then he says if you are the son of god If you are, where the Lord said, This is my beloved son, enemy, if you are, challenges not only his identity, challenges the voice of the Father, challenges the authority of the Father. But Jesus had settled the matter internally. You got to settle the matter internally. One of the things you got to settle this week is that you're a leader. You got to settle that in your heart. You got to settle it. You got to wrestle with it. You got to believe it. You're not just a staff of a DTS. You're a leader who is staffing a DTS, who is pouring into young people. You're a leader. You have influence on your life. Everybody say, I'm a leader. I'm a leader. I have influence. You gotta let the Lord settle and solve that thing internally because horizontally, broken, fallen people are not always going to see you as the Lord sees you. Yeah. And so if you begin to see you how they see you, you'll be very discouraged. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But if I've settled the matter, what John Mark says about me behind closed doors, <laughs> no, it doesn't feel good. I don't want him to, to just bash me. <laughs> but if he does at the end of the day, my validation comes from my father.
2: Right. And Not
1: from John Morris.
2: Right. I had to get free of that. Me
1: too. <laughs> doesn't mean we're robots, we don't have emotions. You get know what I'm saying? It still hurts when one of your friends is just bashing you over there. <laughs> he doesn't do that. I'm just picking on him. But here's the deal. When you settle the matter internally. When you win those private battles, guess what? You'll have public victories. You'll begin to move in authority publicly, not because that was the goal, right? Not because that was the motive. I want to get with the Lord in private so that people recognize me publicly. Well, my goodness, the Lord knows that. And your quiet times will be very stale, dry, and you'll be frustrated because the Lord is much more concerned about the intent and motive of your heart. Come on. He's not interested in giving you a loaded gun of power. Wow! Okay. When your heart is all jacked up.
2: Yeah.
1: He's not interested in letting me go out and just raise the dead and heal the sick and cast out demons. When my heart is dark and cold and hardened and I'm mean and angry to my wife and I don't, I'm not kind to my parents and I'm gossiping about my friends and I'm frustrated with everyone around me, but yet I want to move in power and ministry. The Lord isn't concerned with that. It's It's easy for the Lord to just touch somebody and heal them without me or you. What's hard for him is to get a heart that's pliable and moldable, (laughs) that yields to him. So you got to win though. You got to win the hidden victory because here's what happened. The spirit drove him into the wilderness. He returned in the power of the spirit. And then he stands up in the synagogue on the Sabbath. And here's what he reads out loud. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovering sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the the year of the Lord's favor. And it says that people became astonished For his teaching, they said his word possessed authority. His word possessed authority. He began to cast out demons, heal the sick, cleanse lepers, raise the dead. He calmed storms. Come on, let's quote Bill again. You can't sleep in a storm that you don't have authority over.
2: That's
1: why Jesus could sleep in the storm. He had authority over it. We got to win private battles. We got to win. Go deep in those places. Jesus had so much authority where he talked about it. The lady comes up, just touches the, hem- the the hem of his garment. Virtue, power, just flow. He's not even paying attention. He's on a mission, save this daughter. Faith touches his garment. Power, power flows through him. We see in Luke nine, verse one. That Jesus calls the twelve together, and he gives them power. by I say power, power and authority, he gives them power and authority over all demons to cure diseases, and he sends them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. Here's the deal: a lot of people have a theology that that the power of God put on display that we see in the New Testament was just for Jesus and just for the original twelve. That would be their theology. They would say once the canon of Scripture was closed once the apostles died the the gift of uh, the spirit in that function ceased with them and so we don't have access to that anymore though god can do miracles you know he can intervene and do miracles but it's much more rare it doesn't happen through you and for me but here's the deal a lot of other scholars if you look in luke 10 we see that Jesus appointed 72, say 72, he appointed 72 others, and what many well uh, first scholars would say is that the 72 is representative of the church, and that he appoints 72 others who were not the apostles, and he sends them out, and guess what happens, demons are subject to them in the name of Jesus, verse 19 says, I have given you authority, To tread on serpents and scorpions. That doesn't mean actual animals. It's a reference to powers and principalities and rulers, demonic beings. And over all the power, say all, all all the power of the enemy and nothing. Say nothing.
2: Nothing
1: nothing shall hurt you. You and I got to realize this. You got to settle it. At salvation, authority is given to you and me. It's given to us at salvation. Who's authority? Jesus is authority. Jesus is authority. The old Adamic nature is crucified. Jesus did not just die so that you could get a get-out-of-jail-free card and go to heaven. It wasn't the purpose. He didn't bleed out for that. He'd get a spirit inside, and say, okay, live however you want. One day you'll come up with me and play a harp on a cloud and we'll sing kumbaya together. That wasn't the purpose. The old man had to die so that the new man could emerge. The old man who lived with authority had to be put in the grave and kept there. Then Jesus, full of power, resurrects from the dead, walks up to his guys, breathes on them, receive the Holy Spirit. They had to be filled with the new life. So when the old Adamic nature is crucified, we become a new creation. The penalty and power of sin and the devil is broken and defeated. Yes. Somebody read Ephesians 2, 1 through 6. Read it like a preacher. <laughs>
3: okay. 2, 1 through
1: 6?
0: Yeah. Yeah. But God being rich in mercy. Hang on, hang on. You got you to gotta give me a butt. Come on, preacher.
1: Come on. for No, no, no. Read it. You got to give me, you got to do it. Come on. Read verse four. And I want you to put some ump behind that butt about me. But
0: God being rich in mercy because of the great love with God who loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together. Come on. By grace, you have been saved and raised up with him, and seated, uh, seated us with him in the heavenly places of Christ. Come on. So in Come on. ages, he might show the uh, immeasurable riches of his grace wow. and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Come on, that's good. And, and by that's grace, great. you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of works, so that no one may boast. That's for right. we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Which God prepared beforehand that we
2: should walk in. Come, Come
0: on. on, let's
1: go. That'll preach.
2: That'll
1: preach. Here's the deal. Verse six, you drag raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. First Corinthians one thirty, guess what that says? By God's doing guess what you are in Christ who put you there who put you there he did it's his authority it's his authority he's done it and he's seated with you he seated you with him in heavenly places do you know what it means to have access to a throne Mm -hmm. do you know what that means it means you get to share that authority When you have access to the throne, you are a partaker of the authority that that throne represents. And the authority is based not on your performance. Say not my performance. It's based on your union with Christ. It's his authority. Romans 6, 5. We are united with him in his death and in his resurrection. I said it earlier. Authority does not come through personality type it doesn't come from a loud voice it doesn't cut right it doesn't just come because you're super bold and you know sometimes obnoxious that's not how authority works authority mm-hmm. comes through the name of Jesus Christ mm-hmm. rob Reamer breaks this down for us he says that authority is rooted in identity rooted in identity right so we just talked about that you got to you need like you need to go through this chapter and you need to look at every verse. We, a lot of those verses, all that is all in here. I just had it in my notes. You need to get all those verses in you because that's the truth. It's not. It won't save you in the day when you're facing a challenge. You say, "I have authority. I have authority. I have authority. I have authority." But you have no scripture, no truth that that foundation is built on. You just heard someone one time say that you have authority, so you're just hoping that you say some magical wishful prayer and that the demon leaves. It just doesn't It doesn't work that way. We yeah. saw the sons of Sceva. Yeah. I adjure you by the Jesus who T.D. Jakes preaches. Come out. <laughs> Don't work. Great preacher, great sermon, but his authority doesn't translate through the podcast into your deliverance session. You got to get rooted in the scripture. Yeah. Authority is rooted in your identity. It's in him, in your union with him. It's rooted in that. It's expanded. Everybody say expanded. So here's the deal. We said this. Authority is positional, but it's got to be developed. So it's expanded. It's it's rooted in identity. It's expanded. I'm losing the word now. Give me a second. In intimacy. You got it. Rooted in identity, expanded in intimacy, and activated by faith. Rooted in identity, expanded in intimacy, and activated by faith. Here's the deal. Many Christians want the benefits, the blessings, and the power of the kingdom without submission to the king. And authority does not work that way. It won't work that way in your life. I'm just telling you, when you have that moment, when you've got that student, you've got that person sitting next to you, looking you in the eyes, begging for help, begging for freedom from pornography, begging for freedom, and you've been entertaining the demon they want free from in your private life. That's, I'm just being honest. This is this is the thing that leaders you got to think through. I can't cast out what I entertain in private. Right it won't that thing has dominion over me i've handed off my authority to that thing therefore when i face that spirit it mocks me and laughs at me and says i have a hook in you um real
3: quick i just have a question sure can you possibly explain like, you have People who are walking in like crazy sin, but then they're still like walking in power, sure, and like gifts. But then there's like the glory that comes in
1: like the life of God. It's a great question. Yeah, it's a great question. I wish I had the perfect answer. I don't have the perfect answer. Here's what I would say is that God is extremely kind, and that God uses flawed people because none of us are perfect. So, God uses flawed people to get breakthrough. And others, so for example, there may be moments where the grace of God can flow through my life to touch you because God is really concerned about you. But what I've seen is that over the course of history, you can look, there are those whose character does not match the power they walk in and their life crumbles. You see the effect of that. So you can't outrun that. So the gifts of God are irrevocable. So right, I can have a gift of God on my life and I can move in the prophetic while I'm manipulating everyone around me. The gift doesn't turn off. But here's the thing, this is where it comes down to the intent of the heart and the motive of the heart. Why do I want to move in power? Why do I want to move in authority? And so the Lord can use us, we will still use people in that. But I would say that the Lord is, in my opinion, wanting to shift and and change that, where he's raising up leaders who have the character to withstand the power. So does that happen? Absolutely. Do I have a perfect answer? I don't have a perfect answer. I have to ask the Lord on that day because that happens but i will say this we're all we are all flawed none of us are perfect so he's always using broken vessels to move through it's just that for us my desire for miracles and power cannot be greater than my desire to please him it can't be my desire has to be the lord i want him and i want the overflow of my affection for him to spill out on people I want the my, the overflow of my affection towards him and my faith towards him to be a life that produces miracles. So I, I agree with your, your question. It's a, it's a challenge. But what I would say is let's be a generation that turns the tide where that question doesn't have to be asked in the future that we would be a generation that we would equally pursue power as we would equally pursue character. Amen. And I would say this too, you can only run from your sin for so long stuff gets found out and so your authority can be handed over so the gift can work but your authority in life is is handed over keep going for a few moments are you guys tracking so here's here's the challenge for us you ready is that you and i we can hide and this goes into her question we can cover our failures from man but you cannot cover things from the Lord. Do you think he, the Lord didn't know what Adam and Eve had done when they hid themselves behind the fig leaves? Do you know what I'm saying? Like we're, we're so prone. Like, so we move, if we move in a fear, here's, here's one of the main fears that happens. And I think Nick maybe briefly said this yesterday. If I'm, un, if I'm unable To go to one of my leaders or my peers or someone in authority and say, hey, I have this issue in my life that I need freedom from. We're so afraid to do that because we're afraid if we do that, we are going to lose ministry position. Honest. Anybody ever relate to that? If I I say this, I'm not going to get to do this. And so what happens in our heart is that the motive of our heart then becomes a desire for ministry and public recognition over our desire to please the Lord. And so then we do anything we can to hide, protect, and cover from man's eyes so that we can continue on in public ministry when the Lord is grieved, is grieved with our lifestyle and yet his grieved heart doesn't move us but our being removed from ministry crumbles us so the lord isn't looking to hand you or i authority when our heart is out of alignment with its pure purpose which is to adore and please jesus billy graham says this this is a pretty wild statistic he says this Uh, Billy Graham said that it seems that the devil gets 75% of God's best leaders through sexual temptation, 75%. That's a massive percentage. I love what R.T. Kendall breaks this down and you can read the story. We know the story of Joseph um, and that Joseph had the opportunity he had the opportunity for a perfect affair. Wow, yeah. Nobody would have known. Everything was in order. Like he could have done it. But Joseph had this moment. We should find the verse. I wow. should find the verse. Because this is this is key. Because this is this is what we're trying to get after. It's the heart, it's the intent of the heart, the motive of the heart. Here it is. <clears throat> Joseph, he had been brought down to Egypt um, and Potiphar, and an officer of Pharaoh. So he's having all this favor. And um, verse six, he left all that he had in Joseph's charge. And because of him, he had no concern about anything but the food he ate. Joseph was handsome in form and form in appearance. And after a time, his master's wife, And sin against God. The intent of his heart wasn't, I don't want to lose my position in favor. Therefore, I can't do this. His heart was, how could I even comprehend to do this and sin against the Lord? He passed the test.
3: This
1: is Genesis 39. Do you see how the, how that, that is that expanded and intimacy part It's that the authority of your life will build and grow and your capacity will grow as you engage at an intimate level with Jesus. When you're saying the intention of my heart is not for public recognition or for ministry or for title or for role, it's to please King Jesus. And all of a sudden, when you settle that relationship and you settle that in your life, the Lord actually can trust you with more. Why? Because at the end of the day, you'll give him the credit. Because, why does he want that? Because he knows if you take the credit on yourself, eventually the credit will crush you. Yeah. It will crush you. So the Lord is so, he's not interested in building our platforms. He wants to advance the kingdom. He doesn't want to do it at the expense of your life well 25 how you guys doing I want to we're going to get into strongholds <clears throat> Matt's here so Matt I'm, I'm giving you a little heads up here he's going to jump up here in a few I want to talk about strongholds but I want to I want to drive this thing home for a moment because as leaders as young leaders we can't fall into the trap are you tracking with me? Of pursuing a role or a position above seeking Him, wow. we can't do it. We can't afford that in our lives. We can't afford that uh, in in our pursuit of of ministry. Will leave you empty, broken, and busted, and you'll only find ultimate satisfaction in Jesus. And so, if you want to be a leader who moves in real authority, you got to be intimate with the one who is authority not for the sake of public ministry, for the sake of loving and adoring Jesus. And you'll be the most on fire burning missionary fire and fragrance has ever seen because all of a sudden you've gone somewhere in a secret place that when you come out, the fragrance of King Jesus is on you because you've gone somewhere with him there. And then you're not relying on ministry tools To deliver people. Right. But you know that the deliverer is with you and residing in (laughs) you. And all of a sudden, authority becomes a byproduct of your private life with King Jesus. And you don't have to have a stage or a microphone or a platform or an Instagram channel Um, or a TikTok view count to get that authority. Because that does not purchase authority. Authority only comes through Jesus. Do you have a question? What's up? Um,
3: so percent, with to the can you kind of touch on the kind of you're I Yes, Yes,
1: I would just say plain and simple: the anointing is for the people; it's not for you the anointing is for those you're ministering to. I don't want the anointing so I can build a platform.
2: Right.
1: I need power to break out in my life so that people yes. can be like yes. set free and delivered. We don't have time to go into the whole framework. There's, there's people walking the earth who are going to be anointed and have a grace on their life and a greater capacity for, right? You look at Bill Johnson. He moves in a level of healing that not everyone moves in. <laughs> Yeah. Mike Bickle has a grace on his life for intercession that not everyone has. There's different graces, there's different gifts on people. So you can't move in comparison and competition around what other people have, longing for that. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? So it's not like if Sam's moving in crazy deliverance, and all of a sudden I'm like, "Oh, I want deliverance! I'm so mad at Sam. He doesn't deserve this. I need to get..." No, it's I celebrate the gift of God in Sam's life. It provokes me to greater hunger to long that God can do anything through my life. But I want. I don't. What? This is a whole other topic. What happens? This happened to Saul. Saul moved outside the limitations of his own anointing, and he lost the anointing. He did what he was not authorized to do. Samuel was meant to bring the sacrifice. Saul did it out of fear, moved outside the limitations of his own anointing. He kept the crown but lost the anointing. He remained king, but he lost authority. So the greatest thing you and I can do, if we want to move in real authority, is we got to understand the confines of the anointing around our life. Lord, what are you calling me into? What is the gift of grace and faith on my life that I can expand in intimacy? Is it teaching? Is it preaching? Is it evangelism? Is it intercession? Is it leadership? Then dig into that thing and grow in that authority and don't feel like you got to do all things at all times. God can move in healing through you if he wants to. He can move in power. He can knock people out. He can give words of knowledge. He can use you to encourage. He can do all that if you become yielded to him and bend to him and not ask him to bend to our preferences. I want what Sam has. No, I want what Jesus has. And authority will come in that place. And all of a sudden, the Lord will say, finally, you're not warring with my identity over you anymore. That's why original uh, original design is so important, one for you and for those who you're going to be leading. Because what happens is we live in this in this generation. We want everything we want now. It's a microwave generation. I want power now. I want healing now. I want authority now. I want platform now. I want to preach this now. I want to be able to teach this now. And life just doesn't work that way. But if you have your original I, I, a design, then you know the Lord can develop me into that. Does that make sense? And then, so what happens is when the Lord begins to address you and he begins to say, okay, listen, you want to move in authority. You want to move in power, but you're watching pornography or you're sleeping with your girlfriend or you're entertaining, whatever it may be in private. We don't fall into condemnation and shame and feel like a failure. We see it as a father bringing invitation saying, remember your original design. Remember who I've called you to be. Get step out of that thing and step into this. Because what happens is, but we create, okay, we'll do this. You guys got a few minutes. We'll do strongholds. And then, because you got to understand how the strongholds work and, and, and they war against who God's made you to be. So the Lord, the enemy, right? Servant guard, remember? Servant guard. So when deception comes in, a stronghold occurs when you believe a lie and you partner with the lie and you give authority over to the liar. All right. So, Strongholds aren't built overnight, but they are built through us partnering and believing with lies. So we can look through this in the in the manual, and then we'll take a break. If you go back, you can go back to chapter three um, in your manual. <laughs> does everybody know what a stronghold is? Does everyone feel like you know what a stronghold is? Like if you could confidently get up here and teach everyone, this is what a stronghold is. Just raise your hand so I can see. Okay, so we... Raise your hand high. It's okay. No embarrassment. It's not as. If you do know, if you could get up and you could teach like to the room, this is a stronghold. Okay, great. Okay, it's good. This is helpful. Are you guys good for a couple more minutes? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I want to, you got to have an understanding of strongholds because the enemy wants you to abdicate your authority. He wants you to give over your authority. And so here's, here's the deal about a stronghold. Let's do this. Okay, uh, can I get Can I get you five right here? You five, come stand up here. Okay, and then you guys, you guys stand in a circle. Yes, stand in a little circle here. Spread out a little bit, spread out a little bit. Now hold each other's hands. Brother and sister's down here. Okay, um, John, Martin, and Sam, you guys stand up. I need you. I need you. Okay, okay. here's the deal. Here's the deal. Can I, I'm giving you a visual of the stronghold. Okay, so John, Mark, and Sam are the enemies. Oh, bad guys!
2: Everybody
1: say boom! Okay. okay, so, what is your name, bro? Shiloh. Shiloh. Okay, so Shiloh here is part of the team. He's part of the circle here, but Shiloh is beginning to neglect his role of serving and keeping. Oh,
2: my God. And yeah, I
1: know. I know. And we're gonna break it later. But for now, I want you to let go of her hand. And I kind of want you guys to space out a little bit. And you just kind of look around, just kind of you know, John Mark and and, and and Sam, you guys kind of come into the middle here. Okay, come on in. Come on in. All of a sudden, okay, okay, now, okay, now, all of a sudden, this fortified city had a break in the wall, and now the enemy has come in and set up a stronghold. Oh,
2: yeah. What
1: well, means now, inside this once fortified city, there's a base of operation for the enemy inside the walls. Why? Because the devil's so strong? Uh-oh.
3: Uh-oh. No, because low. <laughs> Because Shiloh forgot and neglected his role of
1: serving and guarding, and he watched the sorcery movie,
2: <laughs>
1: Sorcery, and so the spirit of sorcery came in and set up camp, and now they got their wands waving the streets, passing spells. Okay, you guys can sit down. You guys can sit down. Give it up for the
2: team.
1: Give it up for the team. So here's the deal is That is that helpful visual? So in your life, you got to understand this. In your life, in the same way in the natural, that's how strongholds work. In the spiritual, it works in the same way. Uh, spiritually their strongholds are, are made up of sin expressed through a person's thoughts, say thoughts, uh, beliefs, attitudes, philosophies, actions, and values, all that oppose truth. So why is it important to know your original design? Is the truth of God over your life. The enemy wants to come and sow seeds of deception and lies about who you are and those lies when believed they become a launching path for the enemy second Corinthians 10 4 and 5 the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh they have divine power to destroy strongholds we destroy every argument and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of god and take every thought captive to obey christ wow. ephesians 4 uh, 26 27 be angry and do not sin don't let the sun go down your anger and do not give opportunity or a foothold to the devil. That word in the Greek is topos. It literally is where we get our word topography, and maps. It's a territory, it's a defined place. The Lord is saying, don't give a defined place or territory over to the enemy. There's a real thing going around that if you're a Christian, you can't be a, you know, you can't have a demon. Untrue. You can have anything you want you can't you can open your life up to anything you want to open it up to just because you're a born again believer with the holy spirit living inside of you does not mean you can't open yourself up to demonic deception demonic oppression and let that thing hang out it will are quiet you can give him jurisdiction in your life So can I give you the progressions of how strongholds work? Because like I said, the stronghold isn't built overnight. It's not like all of a sudden you wake up and you're like, I'm a murderer. It just doesn't doesn't happen that way. Okay. Here you go. Here's the progression of a stronghold. Thoughts, decisions, decisions turn into actions, actions turn into values, values turn into a lifestyle, lifestyle turns into the B word, bondage so here's what happens here's what happens when lies go unchecked you tracking we begin to make decisions based off of those lies they're into actions and then those actions become values that we live by these values they begin to define who we are And then it becomes a lifestyle and that's where strongholds are built and the enemy all of a sudden has free reign and jurisdiction in your life to run rampant through the streets of your mind and torment you. So the responsibility falls on your shoulders and my shoulders. It's not the devil is so strong. The devil made me do it. No, we've seen. Through scripture now, You we went through all the verses. Who has authority? Jesus. Okay, good. Answer, right answer. He has Jesus. Who else has it? Who has Jesus' authority? Can the devil just come up to you and take it out of your life? without No, oh, he can't. He's not that strong. He's weak. Don't give him more credit than he's due. But you have to give it to him. So the responsibility falls on our shoulder. Here's an example. This is in your manual there. This is a sad one, but this is, this helps. This is an example. Okay. Here's the storyline. This is how it all plays out. There's a man who commits adultery. This is real. He doesn't just wake up one day and decide to have an affair. Mm -hmm. There's a progression. He starts glancing and looking at women who are not his wife. All of a sudden, the glance becomes a decision to let the mind wander and not take thoughts captive. All of a sudden, then comes in pornography. Then one time becomes a few times. Then the few times become a habit, a value. Next, the man becomes numb to his sin, becomes unsatisfied with his wife. His conscience is seared. His lifestyle begins to shift. As he gives into lie after lie, the bondage is adultery. Now, that's an intense example, but that's how it, that's the progression. Mm-hmm. So, you can see when lies go unchecked in our lives, are you tracking? Yeah. And they begin to dictate the way we live. This is why you have to know biblically, not just pr- through prophetic words, biblically, your original design. Yeah. You've got to know who you are. You got to know whose you are. You got to know the authority that's been given to you. Because if, what did I say earlier? If you lack that revelation, you will live in an inferior plane. Yeah. You will be subject to every lie that comes your way. Why? Because you lack revelation. But if you and I dig into the revelation and we understand the authority and we begin, right, it's expanded in intimacy. If we begin to recognize his voice, then we'll recognize the voice of another.
2: Yeah. Yeah. What
1: happens is when you don't recognize his voice, the voice of the other, you don't, have, what's the difference? What's the difference? That's why people get so, you know, people who have a, a hard time in like charismatic circles, and they get cynical about, you know, kind of wild manifestation. Like that's not God or is this God? or How do I know if this is God? How do I know if that's not God? Here's the litmus test. Have you learned to practice the presence in private? Yeah. Because if you can recognize presence in private, then you should be able to recognize it in public. So that's where authority is expanded in intimacy. How we doing? Does this make sense?
2: Yeah.
1: So here's 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 the here's the feedback from it, and then we're gonna take a break, and we'll let Matt come up and fix everything for us. Jesus has ultimate authority. Yes. Yes. He's given it to who? Yeah. Who has the ability to give to give it away? Us. Does the devil? No. no. Who's responsibility on? Us. What happens when I believe the lie? Authority. We give over our authority and strongholds become the product of a life lived under the lies and the deception of the enemy waging war against us why is this important it's important because you want to live in your original identity and number two you want to help people live in there so if you're going to become a developer of people you got to understand how this works so you can walk people into freedom A leader moves people toward god's agenda yeah so if we got to know god's agenda otherwise we can't lead people anywhere so i'm going to pray and then we'll take a quick little break and head over to matt jesus we love you thank you for authority Thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for helping us today. In Jesus' name. Amen.
2: amen. amen. All right. Let's take